Hi guys, Daniel here again. Today we are looking at Genesis 6. Uh, so for this section, please go read the chapter and then we'll continue with the Bible study. So in this section, we will look at the short period in Genesis 6 that were just before the flood. As we have seen in Genesis 5, people were still able to live long and lots of people were born and humanity basically multiplied all over the world. Um, this also included the descendants of Cain who were still alive. So in verse 2 we actually read that the sons of God came and chose some of these women to marry and yeah, they saw that the women were pretty. So there are two op opinions about who these sons might be. So the one option that people say is, well, these sons were people who were just close to God, so someone who followed these instructions closely, so then you are called a son or a daughter of God, basically. Uh, the other opinion is that these sons were actually fallen angels that came down um, and dwelled among men. So whatever the case might, might be, you will have to go test it. So in the Hebrews culture, they have something called a midrash. Um, it is basically an expansion of the old scriptures told by rabbinic sages to clarify some points that is maybe a bit vague or to make a piece of scripture more interesting. So it's almost like when you try, if a child comes to you, ask you a question to say, um, I don't understand this, and then you make like a story or a metaphor to try and explain something to them. And that is also one of the stuff that Jesus used to do, or Yeshua used to do. It's like uh, when they ask him, so what's heaven like? Then he says, uh, heaven is like a mustard seed, and he starts with this metaphor. So that is typical Madrashic teaching to try and explain something and clarify it. Um, some of, some of these Midrash teachings can be seen as fables, but some contain some truth and deep insight um, that a person might appreciate if you like to have some background. Um, one of these Midrash teachings of old gives us an interesting origin of these sons of God. Uh, this might be just some speculation, but you can go have a look at www.biblio. T-E-C-A-P-L-E-Y-A-D-E-S dot net forward slash Enoch forward slash Enoch M-D-R-S-H dot H-T-M. You can also go to my blog, dancer87blog.wordpress.com and just go to Genesis 6. Uh, the link will be there. And before you think that the Midrash is basically some nonsense, uh, just know that Yeshua also quoted from other rabbis and their Midrash teachings like, uh, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one yut or tittle shall in no way pass from the law until all is fulfilled. That is actually a Midrash that one of the rabbis had in those days where they talked about the yud going to heaven, the yud in the title. So it's a Midrash teaching. And if you don't know about that Midrash, you might not really understand what he was trying to say. 
there's also one section in scripture that we can use to reference who these sons of God might be. So if you go to Job 1 verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So here you can see that they are actually with God in heaven, these the sons of God. So it would be safe to assume the theory of angels coming down to earth could actually fit in this section, even if Job is referring to them. Um, also, if you look at, uh, they were called mighty men, these offspring of these sons of God. So coming back to Genesis 6 verse 3, uh, God basically said that he's not going to be bothered with mankind anymore. And that he's going to put a 120 year limit on us. So you can't really get older than 120 years. The scripture also says that there were giants born in those days. In Hebrew, they are called Nephilim, uh, which comes from Nafal, uh, which means he fell. This word can mean that they were fallen people and wicked or that they fell from faith in God, or that they were earth-born. These giants then became like warriors to these people, or they became famous people. In verse 5, God saw that mankind has become totally wicked and corrupt, and they did not have one good imagination anymore. Imagine you get up the morning and you're like, ah, oh, today I'm going to murder that guy, or today I'm going to steal from that person, or yeah, whatever evil thing comes to mind. Every day you wake up or go to sleep, there's just evil and corruption. That was how it was before the flood. There was no good imagination anymore. The other hand also, God was actually sorry for making man, and scripture says that it created grieved his heart. Have you ever made something that you then became not proud of and then you wish that you actually never thought of making it? It's really terrible. In Genesis 6 verse 7 it says, And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And verse 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was one man that stood out from all these people on earth. Well, on the one hand, I mean, if everybody's corrupt and evil, then it's probably not too difficult to actually stand out from all the rest. Uh, so they explain how Noah was. They said Noah was just, strict, fair, reliable, pure, honest, and righteous. He did not rebel against God and walked with God. He had three sons, like we have seen in Genesis 5, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Here is a small glimpse of how our planet once was at that stage. In Genesis 6 verse 11 it says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh has corrupted his way apart upon the earth so yeah if it was just filled with violence you can't even walk out your house or 
yeah, you attack your neighbor or whatever. The whole earth was like that. Then God uh, told Noah that he was done with mankind and all flesh was corrupt. He will bring it all to an end. Then he told Noah that to start building a boat and uh, seal it on inside and outside. Then God gave the dimensions of the ark. He said, this is how you, you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, the breadth, 50 cubits, and the height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. The basic size of a cubit would be from your elbow to your fingertip. And since we don't actually know how big the, the people became in those days, because if you lived long, uh, we could assume that your bone structure would also be very long. So if we don't know how long they became, we can perhaps use the cubit standard that we have today for average size person. And that would be one cubit is 0, 0.457 meters. So in today's terms, the boat would actually have been 137 meters long, 22 meters wide, and 13.7 meters high. Also just mentioned now was that it's a triple decker ship, and each floor will then have 4.5 meters height. So yeah, it's a pretty big ship. God then says he will destroy everything under the earth that has breath with a flood. But he made a promise with Noah that he will save Noah and his family from the flood. Also, Noah will take seven pairs of the pure animals with him into the ark, uh, male and female, and one pair of unpure or unclean animal, birds and cattle and all the creepy crawlies. Notice he does not mention fish though so all aquatic animals um, yeah you're not going to take them into the boat also they will have to take a large storage of food for them and for the animals at that stage they were all told to eat fruit and herbs as they were told to do in the garden so they were not uh, meat eaters yet um, so that means they only had to take plant-based items onto the boat. So in Genesis 6 verse 22 it says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God, God commanded him, so did he. Noah was just because he did not rebel against God's instructions. God has already given mankind commands long before Moses. This is not something new. If God gives an instruction, it is not a suggestion, and it is seen as a command. Have you ever thought of how God would react if Noah made the boat shorter or maybe wider? Would the ark also operate better if it was a different size than the blueprint God gave? Or would it maybe sink? All we know is Noah trusted God and probably knew God had his reason why he should do certain things. Just as we trust our parents when they tell us, like for example, don't put your finger in the electrical socket or don't run with scissors in the house. We don't know at that young stage why we shouldn't do it, but we must have, or they must have their reason why they tell us not to do it, so rather trust them. 
I hope today's passage was interesting and that it makes you interested to learn more on the old scriptures and how it relates to the new scriptures. I'll see you guys next time.